0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic scene by scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And we are once again back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have no excuse this time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Half the things that happen with us, like you can't even write it like these excuses like i'm so over like even saying the excuses because like i don't want to sound like we're making excuses for all the times we've been gone
1: (laughs) yeah we were going to record a couple months ago but
0: yeah we were and like i posted it on our socials when i say like you can't write this stuff the day we were supposed to record a tree fell outside of my house and cut my power lines (laughs) and then we couldn't record and then your wife gave birth to your second child yeah. like a few days after the fact. Yeah, so, I was literally
1: like and then yeah, so the next like month and a half I was
0: Yep. Yeah, that was like our last chance we had to record before that happened. And then just more pandemic stuff, like life being crazy and yeah. before you know it it's been months since the last time we recorded and that's yeah. pretty much just how it goes. Mm-hmm. But rest assured, we will finish this. <laughs>
1: I'm not having another kid anytime soon, so. Yeah. (laughs) At least not for another nine months.
0: Just know, even if there is a break of some kind, we will be back. And uh, we have not forgotten. So, that being said, we are starting at the very beginning of the second VHS tape now, going into this scene, which is called Just a Precaution. And we'll get into that in a moment but we do have an email because we've gotten (laughs) yeah i said we have an email or whatever but we have like 30 something emails or something like that it's crazy since we've run away like a lot of emails uh, a lot of dms tweets uh you guys are so amazing the titanic passion is so real and (laughs) um and it's it's yeah (laughs) it's pretty nice so thank you guys So, uh, an email I have here is from Raven, and she says, Hello, Brittany and Ethan. I would like to start out by saying thank you. I discovered this podcast during quarantine, and it has given me something to look forward to during these strange times. I was five years old when Titanic was released, so I was never able to see it in the theater. I probably first saw it around that age, though, since I can't remember a time when I didn't have this movie in my life. Not only did this movie make me believe in love, but it also inspired my love of music. I love the soundtrack so much that, as a teenager, I promised myself that I would walk down the aisle to my future husband to one of the tracks. Mm. As cheesy as it may sound, I grew up with Titanic, and it inspired me to become the strong woman I am today. It only seemed fitting that I incorporate it into the next chapter of my life. I am happy to say I fulfilled my dream. In July of 2016, I walked down the aisle to the portrait to my husband. It was a moment I had always dreamed of for so long, and it was more magical than I could have ever imagined. Not to mention, I received so many compliments on my choice of music listening to your podcast caused me to watch the movie differently and i noticed something i never realized before while rose tells jack she loves him while they're waiting for the lifeboats to return jack never tells rose he loves her why do you think that is again thank you for bringing some joy to these weird times i look forward to hearing your opinion raven it's cool thank you raven i know i i love stories like that we say it all the time, but it's just so interesting to hear how one movie can be so wrapped up in other people's lives in so many different ways, Mm. and uh, that that whole concept of, like, wanting to play a Titanic-related song at some milestone in your life, like, I've definitely thought the same thing. (laughs) And the portrait is, like, that's the solo piano version of the theme that plays while Jack is drawing Rose. So that was probably, like, a really nice thing to walk down the aisle to. But it's so funny. I love the way my thought of, like, Playing a Titanic song at a milestone in my life is super dark. I'm like, okay, so I want Rose by James Horner played at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Your funeral? <laughs> That's funny I'm like you're all gonna sit there and hear this Titanic song and cry over me and and then and, and and
1: every time you hear it from then on
0: <laughs> yep because everyone knows how much I love Titanic and you're all just gonna be thinking of Titanic and my love for it <laughs> it's so dark but I'm like yep I can I can hear it as long as that's playing that's, oh man yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's like the best that's the best uh, piece I think in the soundtrack in my opinion.
0: Oh, it's so good! It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it sounds like the most akin to a spirit, you know. Yeah, just like flying and.
1: I was gonna say that's probably my favorite. That and the uh, in Star Wars, the. Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah! Yeah. Duh. Dun, 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 dun. That,
1: those two are like my favorite film score pieces ever i think
0: leia's theme is really pretty too yeah
1: that one's cool too oh man dude john williams is a g but da,
0: da, dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun, i love where it goes oh, from heck yeah. that song the into be- the end credits yeah the best okay. is
1: empire the ending of empire that trend the musical transition anyway
0: Star Wars tangent. (laughs) There's some
1: Star Wars for you. Your daily dose of Star Wars.
0: I'm glad that I can actually converse about that now, though. I know, yeah. But I've since gotten into Star Wars pretty heavily.
1: After Titanic, we're doing Star Wars scene by scene.
0: Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) Not just one movie, like, a bazillion things.
1: Nine movies plus Rogue One. I
0: know. Anyway. But yeah, so that's interesting. Uh... And then also she said that she saw the movie, or it came out when she was five, Mm -hmm. same. So that's kind of cool. cool. And yeah, and that question she posed there at the end, which I never thought of either, so I don't know if we want to try to tackle this now, because it is a a question for the end of the movie, like, or at least towards...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think I thought that. I think I thought it last time I watched it. Well, like, I've seen the end scene a couple times, I guess, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can talk about it then. I think we should talk about it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should probably save it for the scene. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting point to note. Uh, now that we've brought it up, I think we'll remember it eventually by the yeah. time we get there. But yeah, it is interesting to think about. And I feel like I might have a better idea of why after we've talked through all the scenes leading up mm-hmm. to it. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean of course I know this movie backwards and forwards I could probably formulate some sort of theory right now on the spot but, but I don't know if I want to. So <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I don't think I will. I'm not going to. But thank you for bringing it up, Raven. Any of you guys listening if you have any ideas of why that was, why uh, Jack did not say he loves Rose, chime in, send an email. Yeah. Uh, this is
1: now an open forum for that discussion.
0: Yes. But anyway, you can um, send a voicemail on Anchor, too. There should be a link in the description to do that. So, getting into the scene. First off, uh, this is, like I said, starting the second VHS tape. So it's very iconic in my mind as when the scene starts and it's just... Cal leaning in the doorway into the promenade and into the suite, just like leaning there, all dramatic, and it's just dead silent because the engines have stopped now at this point, too, so Mm -hmm. it's like extra silent. Um, and Rose just standing there, Cal approaching her, and you don't really know what's gonna happen, and he's trying to hold in his anger, sort of, and then he just explodes and slaps her across the face, which we would expect nothing less from Kaladin Hawkley. Do you know
1: if he actually slapped, if uh, Billy Zane actually slapped her?
0: I don't know, actually. Yeah, maybe it was a, a pretty good trick of editing there <laughs> and sound editing and and cuts yeah yeah. it
1: looked pretty good though
0: i mean because that was that was pretty forceful yeah i did say mm-hmm. though um the dramatics like <laughs> certain things like like something like this moment and then later on there's another thing in pretty soon that's just so old hollywood to me yeah cal slaps her and kate's just like oh ah! Her hair goes, like, flying, and she's, like, all the way to the side. It's, like, very... I don't know. It's Obviously, it's a terrible moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: there's something about it that's just so theatrical and just so old Hollywood, over-the-top, melodramatic at the same time. I don't know. I kind of like it.
1: It's very much something that I don't think... I think you couldn't do today. I think today they would try to play it more... Realistic, but I think I think James Cameron almost intentionally wanted to make some of it kind of like in that era, like, you know, I know it's I know the Titanic wasn't like 30s and 40s, but they were telling those stories back in the 30s and 40s and kind of has that Mm -hmm. vibe to it. But I think in the 90s, you could get away with that and it'd be like, okay, it's kind of like an homage, yeah, versus now it's like, oh, that's super cheesy, yeah,
0: yeah, corny or something. (laughs) But I think it's funny because that's just sort of. Another thing that lends itself to like Titanic having such a classic feel, you know yeah, like now that it's even 23 years on yeah it just feels like an old school movie yeah, <laughs> like, because yeah. they were because they were already implementing that 23 years ago like yeah
1: I mean even then like they still they still haven't done something like this where it's like a blockbuster with that kind of vibe to it, which is cool
0: mm-hmm It was definitely one of the last of its kind yeah. Um, And on James Cameron's audio commentary, he called Cal a borderline psychopath or something. Borderline? (laughs) Yeah. And then he also said uh, that he wasn't really intended to be insane or crazy, but more so just um, the embodiment of the male-dominated society Mm. and world. Yeah. Which we've kind of already talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so when Cal starts yelling at her, the line is... It is a little slut, isn't it? I'm like, is he calling her it? Like, am I? Like, what?
1: (laughs) Who does he say it to again?
0: To Rose.
1: Maybe it was, like, is he using it as an adjective? Like, it, like, I don't know.
0: Like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, he grabs (laughs) her and he's just like, oh, it is a little slut, isn't it? Like, like asking her this question of like.
1: Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, he probably is calling her that then it
0: because i said before i remember i mentioned in a previous scene that like he was referring to her as a thing yeah when he was like two things have disappeared to me this evening and i was like he's calling her a thing and now in this scene i'm like is he really calling her it
1: yeah i mean like
0: like it is a little slut
1: i didn't really think about it yeah but i mean yeah
0: Mm. i don't know but yeah because i always thought that's what he was saying but i was like what is how does that even what then I read the screenplay, and that is the line, and I was like, whoa. Well, he is a borderline psychopath. So he says that, and he's like, you look at me when I'm talking to you, and then the steward comes in telling them to put on their life belts and uh, come up to the decks. Oh, dress warmly. You know, it's quite cold out tonight. Oh, may I suggest top coats and hats? You know, going and physically getting their life uh, belts for them and bringing them over. And then... I always wondered what the steward was thinking when he comes over to Rose and, like, she has her hand up on her chin because she was, like, just, um, you know, slapped across the face. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of has, like, her hand cupped on her cheek a little bit because of that. And he comes over to her and he says, like, oh, like, oh, not to worry or anything. I'm sure it's just a precaution. Yeah. And I'm like, so does he think that she just, like, has her hand there, like, Cause she's all like stressed about the situation. <laughs>
1: uh, probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, cause like when he came in, like Cal was, was like had her grabbed and he was like, not now we're busy or whatever. And so I was like, is this guy just like really completely oblivious to just any sort of abuse? And he's just like, Oh, I'm so oh, don't worry, miss. Like, I'm sure it's just a precaution. Like, I feel like, like, like I always felt like that was like part of a, Joke or like some some weird thing to be like how oblivious people were.
1: He just misread the situation. He's like, oh, they're fighting because they're stressed out about this situation.
0: <laughs> like I don't know.
1: Well, just further's the the one where Cal is freaking out about the thing, and then the guy's like, oh no,
0: like being robbed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just always seemed like something where it was like how oblivious people were back then. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, and, it, and I mean they were, you know. You're not, even if you are aware of that stuff, it was so probably, I mean, it was definitely way more common than it is now, but it was probably just common back then.
0: Or just something that, like, you just didn't get involved with if it was someone else's business. Yeah,
1: you're just like, okay, that's personal matters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, you weren't getting involved in that kind of stuff. Especially, like, yeah, you were not going to do that. Especially, like, a dude like Cal who's, like, towering over everybody, pretty yeah. much so.
0: But that just, yeah, but that just always stood out to me, the way it's, like, Obviously, she knows why she's cupping her face. <laughs> yeah. But she has to deal with this guy just telling her, Oh, I'm sure it's just a precaution. And she's like, I was just slapped upside the head right now, buddy. Yeah. Like, you don't even know what's going on. But she doesn't want,
1: she's not the type of girl who'd want pity, though, from him, though.
0: No, 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 you no, know? no. It's just that difference. Of yeah, yeah. Totally. How she just sits there and has to just, yeah. Two completely different situations just happened. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then it cuts to just another um, contrast between first and third class so we see this steward calmly explaining what you know rose and cal needed to do and physically getting their life belts for them versus down in third class where they're just barging into everyone's cabins and just screaming you know banging on doors telling them to get up put your life belt on people ask questions just put your life belt on (laughs) Were
1: the was the life preserver to um uh people on board was it enough do you know
0: Oh, if they had enough life preservers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. It seems like they maybe had one in every cabin, so.
1: Yeah. I can't. I know yeah. we're not there yet, but I can't remember why Jack doesn't have
0: them. Mm. Anyway, they barge into little Cora's room and her dad. Again, just like one of those little characters that just, they just sprinkle in throughout the movie. Yeah. that You know, we don't know too well, but you feel like you do.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially just there being a kid there. It just kind of, like, builds the world mm-hmm. a little bit better.
0: So it cuts to the Marconi wireless room with Captain Smith writing out CQD, the distress signal for uh, Phillips and Bride to send out.
1: You know what CQD stands for?
0: Yeah, at the time CQD was the standard. There's mm-hmm. a blurb here in the um, in the screenplay. It says CQD refers to a radio distress code in use at the time. CQ meant stop transmission and await information. Mm. D indicated distress. A new code had been adopted shortly before the Titanic disaster that replaced CQD with SOS. Mm. Uh, And then it says, contrary to popular belief, SOS did not mean save our ship or save our souls. The letters were simply chosen because they were the easiest to transmit and repeat. In Morse code. Even as Morse code recedes into the history books, the dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, 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 that spells SOS, holds a place in popular culture. Um,
1: I knew that actually about why it was, I knew that it wasn't save our souls.
0: Yeah, and then it says that later in the night, you know, into the remaining hours of the sinking, Phillips would broadcast both CQD and SOS.
1: Like in real life.
0: You yeah, know. yeah, in, in real life, yeah. yeah. Because it was new, SOS was new at the time, so there was like a line they had written in that they cut out of the movie. Uh, bride tells him, he's like, why don't you try SOS, that, that new one? It might, this might be our only chance to use it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah.
0: They apparently really said that. So,
1: yeah, it's one of those things where it was almost too, it, it was too, real life was a little too scripted, and they would, yeah. James Cameron was probably like, ah, oh, it sounds too like we're trying to be like, oh, this is a fun fact.
0: <laughs> yeah, But that's what happened. But it that's really was new, and they yeah. said, so it's like, hey, let's try SOS, <laughs> that new one. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so Smith tells them, because of course the operators are so shocked by, like, CQD, what, sir, what? And he's like, yeah, we're going down by the head and need immediate assistance. Again, this whole moment before the sinking becomes very apparent to everybody, or this whole period, is just full of nothing but everyone trying to comprehend what's happening. So many different levels of people just being like completely disbelieving. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was a lot of confusion and rumors and things traveling word of mouth among not just passengers, but crew, too. Like, a lot of crew didn't know what the heck was going on, and they just had to make assumptions. They There were rumors. You know, some were told it's not a big deal, and then they were telling other people it wasn't a big deal, and then Mm -hmm. other people heard that they had hit something and blah, 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 and there's all different kinds of stories going on. For those that had heard, it could be sinking. They didn't believe it because the historians on the audio commentary were saying that until you're actually on a ship like Titanic, you don't realize how absolutely solid it feels. It's just massive Mm -hmm. that it feels like there's no way this thing is sinking. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And it's almost like that the Titanic disaster in and of itself kind of informed our subconscious about now when we do go on a ship where it's in the back of our minds. I mean, you know, I mean... Oh, yeah. there's Most people aren't really worried about it, but you know the reality is that it can sink because everyone knows about Titanic, so...
0: Mm-hmm. How, like, yeah. the sinking of Titanic informed our protocols moving forward. Yeah. How aware we are of this sort of stuff, yeah. and...
1: Unfortunately, that's how a lot of laws and codes get put into effect because of disasters Yeah, and stuff like that.
0: Then it cuts to the very loud uh, boat deck. They also said that during the whole like filming process, as they were, you know, trying to get the boats undone, they were realizing how difficult it really was to do back then. Like the whole process of unloading the lifeboats and loading them and lowering them and like all that stuff. Everything was done by hand, mostly.
1: <laughs> and that, that <laughs> was know? like uh, such a, I, is that this scene where it's, they're lo- physically like lowering it? No, not
0: this scene, but oh, it yeah. happens a little later. But yeah,
1: but that's like I, when you see it happen, it's it's really just <laughs> it's just the process of doing it. You are like, holy cow! You they got to do this how many more times?
0: Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah, it is.
1: Just like the nitty gritty of just, and that's why I like the scene too, where they're in that what's the room called? Where they're talking the
0: wireless room, the Marconi yeah. room,
1: and they're just kind of like talking about like the the mathematics and stuff about it.
0: Oh no! Oh, the um the chart room.
1: Oh, the chart room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like on and the yeah all those the times when they do that, um, it's just kind of cool and interesting to see that there is it really grounds the the events into some sort of science and different because this is a love story right but it does ground it in mm-hmm. logic and reasoning and and, and physics which right. is kind of cool um, mm-hmm. that that aspect of it and I love that James Cameron was really in love with that stuff too and he didn't just. Be like, oh, the audience will understand. Yeah. I love that he sticks to that. And he's like, no, 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 we have to explain all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's cool.
0: And there was a bit in the Illustrated History that said, it was now up to Smith and his officers to organize the orderly evacuation of the ship and save as many people as possible. Their job would be difficult, not only because there were too few lifeboats, but because the Titanic had not put the passengers through a lifeboat drill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. this this is a mess
0: (laughs) i was like you're kidding me (laughs) again like just a little too much confidence going on to this ship here man a lot of things going against it
1: a hundred plus years later that's just like that's a preposterous sentiment that no one would think that people like oh we don't need that because now it's like every school you ever go to every what job you have you have a fire drill you have earthquake drill you have whatever. You know, you pre- yep. you have to be prepared, because now that's our culture. But back then, it was like, you know, it might not have even been just the Titanic. I'm sure a bunch of ships and stuff were just like, whatever, like, we don't need this.
0: <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, we'll be fine. No, I know, it's awful. <laughs> so we see mr andrews walking out onto the deck we know obviously he's already told us the severity of the damage and how much time we have so he's freaking out a little bit trying to make sure that they save as many people as possible he comes out onto the deck and no one's on the deck (laughs) (laughs) no passengers are on the deck yeah Uh, and it's a little, a little, uh, concerning. So he asks officer Wild, he's like, you know, where are all the passengers? And he says that they've all gone back inside because it's too cold and noisy, uh, which is true. A lot of the passengers just went inside, like at least just, you know, like right within the inside right there. But yeah, it was too cold. It was freezing, though. It was pretty, pretty, pretty cold out. And again, most people didn't think it was probably that serious. Um, Mm. They thought it was just all precaution. And uh, we see Andrews look at his pocket watch and he's like, oh my gosh, like we do not have the time for this. And then they do like a short scene of Andrews walking through the first class lounge and the band is playing and everyone's just sort of mingling and they've all got uh, life vests on, but still a waiter comes over to him and he's like, care for a drink, sir? <laughs> and again, Andrews is like, what is going on? Like, we do not have the time for this. And there's a um, blurb in the screenplay from James Cameron that says, Quote, Imagine how Andrews must have been feeling. He is in hell. He knows that the ship is sinking, and yet he's trapped in this surreal catered party with live entertainment.
1: And he's learning. Like, and he's already kind of seen earlier in the film. He he's seen kind of like his own uh, realization of these types of people. And he kind of, you know, he's probably already known a little bit because he's a smart dude, but now he's like in his final moments of life.
0: I think he's just thinking that it's like the extent to which... Yeah, their
1: self-absorption. ...people are so
0: non-believing. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's going to be very difficult to reverse that way of thinking in such little time.
1: But just the fact that they still feel the need to have cocktails or whatever, like, it's just insane
0: so then it cuts to the grand staircase and um molly brown stops a steward to ask him you know what's going on because once again no one really knew what was going on he runs away to try to find her obviously you know he never finds out never comes back to her never tells her yeah you know she's like i don't think anyone has an idea what's going on and then she passes by uh rose ruth and cal and then we get them walking and cal says oh the goddamn english doing everything by the book and then uh ruth says no need for language mr Hockley." i'm like really like and she's like you know acting all cutesy about it yeah yeah uh she tells trudy to you know go back to their cabin and put the heaters on and that she wants a cup of tea when she gets back and i'm like this woman's really thinking she's returning (laughs) she's really thinking she's gonna return to that cabin and just gonna have a nice cup of tea in an hour or so you know Ugh, it's crazy
1: and it just speaks to like people's just uh reliant on this thing that they've bought into where they're like we've paid this Mm -hmm. money to get on the ship like nothing can possibly go wrong and like you just have this trust in the system or in the whatever it may be in your case but like and then that goes for, I think even in today at least, like that goes for even like middle class. Like it's not just rich people who think like that. Like you just think like that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you drive a car, you're not thinking this car is going to explode at any moment. You're just driving a yeah. car, even though it, you know, it has that capability, <laughs> you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're putting trust in it.
1: You're driving next to a car. You're not thinking that car is going to swerve into you and knock you off a cliff, but like it can happen. Mm-hmm. You know? So
0: I've seen that happen. Yeah,
1: I do actually. Not off a cliff, but I've seen it. I,
0: I've seen accidents happen. Yeah, like five feet in front of my car. Go flying. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Horrible, horrible experience. Yeah, yeah. Then we see Andrews walking past Ruth and everybody, and he's, you know, walking into this grand staircase area, and he's just looking up and around at his creation you know this thing that he helped build and design and create knowing that it's in its last hour or so of life that's always so sad just watching him look around at all of that because it's it's one of those it's that concept of how it could take years and hours and hours and hours and all this effort and all these people to build this ship and it's just going to be gone Mm -hmm. within the hour
1: it's interesting too because in the course of this is a three-hour movie and you have two protagonists essentially of Jack and Rose, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the only other character who kinda gets that protagonist treatment and you and actually becomes an audience surrogate is Andrews.
0: Yeah. Which is kinda
1: mm-hmm. interesting because there's no other character who who has who plays that role. Every other yeah. character is either like dislikable or you like them, but we just don't follow them for enough for them to be that. But well, I think this, Molly.
0: Molly could be an, ex- an exception Yeah, but as well. but
1: we don't follow Molly's Internal, right? Right, right. You know yeah. what I mean? Her mm-hmm. internal uh, 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 journey. So, For to sure. speak. Yep. Uh, whereas this guy, you're like seeing this whole whatever, however long this thing is that he's going through t- 15, 20 minutes like you're living with this dude. Like, you're like this. You, it's, I mean, you see Jack and you see Rose and you see what they're going through and it's adding to their story, but you're seeing this wreck from this at this point. From the vantage point of Andrews, and mm-hmm. um, and he is at that moment the audience surrogate, and he's oh, like yeah. the protagonist for that moment, which is kind of cool. Like you don't really think about it when you think, people think back on the movie, they don't think about Andrews much. People who have just seen it a couple times, but
0: yeah, um, no, he is he definitely a, big a, a role He's a fan right favorite, though, for sure, and I think probably for those reasons. Oh yeah, and
1: he plays a big role right here. And
0: yeah, yeah, you didn't think about. Yeah, he's kind of like in this scene. It's a moment for him as much as it, as it is for us, looking around at this gorgeous ship, thinking that mm-hmm. it's all gonna be gone, you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's crazy,
0: yeah, Rose notices him and she stops him, and this is another moment. It was always a line that was kind of cheesy, but now I kind of think of it, and it just has that old Hollywood hmm. feel, yeah, where she says... Mr. Andrews, I saw the iceberg, and I see it in your eyes. <laughs> Please tell me the truth.
1: <laughs> I like it though. It's I don't I don't hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's very cheesy, but uh, yeah, it's cool. I like it's a. Uh, it, I mean, you have to add some spice, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's what I'm cool. saying though. Like
0: that's that's like that's totally like old Hollywood flair when yeah. that line, you know? Yeah, and she doesn't even deliver it half as dramatic as people probably would have in the '40s. Oh no, way. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, it's a good li- it's a good line, and she delivers it pretty good. As much as I'm like mm-hmm. hit or miss with her in in this movie, I think. But
0: she's just super to the point with it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And yeah, and then Andrews is too. He just flat out tells her the ship will sink.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He kills it. He
0: yeah, he does. He I think really he does. I
1: think in my opinion he gives the best performance in the movie, and I think also he benefits from having the best dialogue though mm. F- written for him. I think he has some of the best. I mean, I, obviously there's lines that are iconic that other characters say. But, mm-hmm. like, as far as just economically, he has some really good um, stuff to say that's not right. necessarily emotional, but um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just very frank and candid.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. And he's the way he's, like, a little, you know, of course, he's a little shaky when he says it, too. It's, yeah. it's, it's really he good. he really nails it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, Rose just being like, you're certain? <laughs> and then, like, yeah, all this... In an hour or so, it'll all be at the bottom of the Atlantic. And, um, you know, Rose slowly processing all of this. And then Cal overhearing it, too, and then being like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's just just
1: thinking of himself at that point. He doesn't care about the magnitude of anything.
0: Yeah. 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 But it's kind of funny, though, like in those brief moments, like him saying what right there makes me kind of like care about him for one second <laughs> about like you, you think that like maybe he's having a moment where he's realizing that like yeah. something that's happening right now is bigger than him. Yeah. But we know that that doesn't last. He's still but. just thinking <laughs> that,
1: yeah, he's still thinking of how it involves him.
0: Um, apparently, Mr. Andrews had shared a very similar statement with John Jacob Astor. And so Cameron just sort of swapped out Aster for Rose oh, okay, in that cool. in that situation. Yeah. He said he said like, given her social status and whatever in the relationship he had already built between yeah her totally. and him, that it would make sense that he would maybe tell her. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't. I would. I like that better too. I think it would have been weird if it was. I think it, it's way more effective that way.
0: Oh well, yeah. But I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just kind of nice. That like even that moment. Yeah, has some historical background you know Andrews really did tell a first class passenger that same thing totally yeah that's super
1: cool that that actually happened yeah
0: so it's like you're still getting that part of Andrews history in there yeah regardless of who he tells just happening to tell Rose
1: that is cool yeah
0: And Andrews tells her to only tell who she absolutely must because he doesn't want to be responsible for a panic and then to get to the boats quickly because you remember what I told you about the boats. Yeah. And, you know, so that's, you know, basically a payoff to that scene where he told her that obviously there isn't enough for everyone aboard, um, just about half, and she remembers, and she's like, yes, I understand. She sort of, like, looks away, and you can tell she's thinking, and then it cuts to jack being handcuffed to a pipe in the master at arms area yeah and i'm like you know what <laughs> <laughs> titanic is sinking
1: it, it, it's just like it, this it, It's so self-absorbed. Like, these people are just like, no, but he still stole a pocket or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he stole a necklace. Or a necklace, yeah. Uh. Like, he still stole, he needs to be handcuffed. Like, no, who cares? Like, this stuff, he's gonna, you know.
0: But again, like, this is another symptom of everyone not really knowing what's going on and how serious it is. Like, this is still something that they're considering serious right now. It's like, this guy did a crime and we're gonna make him do the (laughs) time right now.
1: It's just in hindsight, it's funny. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And Oh, and I said, I wrote in my notes, I kind of like the way, you know, Rose kind of looks away and she's thinking, and then it cuts to the scene of Jack, almost as if that's what she's thinking of.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that, too.
0: You know, it's like we know that she's thinking... I got to get back to Jack. Mm-hmm. Like she's realizing, oh crap, he, he's wherever the heck they took him right now. It's kind of like, it's kind of back to what we were saying about how when they found out the ship had hit the iceberg and then she's like, oh, we should tell Mother and Cal. Yeah. It's like sort of that moment again for her now where she knows the ship is sinking <laughs> and now she's like, okay, I got to go find Jack.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because cause back then I remember thinking that it was weird that she says that, but that's just where she's just, it's in her head. Um, mm-hmm. But now it's even the bigger magnitude greater magnitude and she's thinking okay i I need to find jack even though she still thinks he's like guilty at this point i guess technically
0: this is sort of that thing where it's like she already knew really that he wasn't guilty, you know and it's it's basically you know she's realizing now especially that okay the ship's gonna sink am i really gonna let him die yeah
1: like is he more also is he more guilty than cal at at whatever he did you know what i mean like cal is still Mm -hmm. not she knows he's not a good person yeah you know so even if jack wasn't a good person like is it worse than what cal has done so you know yeah she still has his loyalty i think too for sure yeah much much like she had to her mom and cal too earlier
0: yeah, but I was kind of like that. Because, like, you kind of forget in, in the midst of everything that's happening that Jack was taken and is going to be put in a yeah. a quasi-jail <laughs> like sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That happens a lot, I feel like, sometimes in this movie. You're so wrapped up that you forget, like, another small subplot yeah. or, like, another thing and it cuts back to it and you're like, oh, right, this is happening, too. Yeah. Yeah, you realize, okay, the ship is about to sink and in the midst of this, Jack is getting handcuffed to a pipe. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, Jack. <laughs> yeah. There's a line from one of the crewmen, okay. and it says, uh, "You're want to the." He's speaking to the master at arms, uh, and he says, "You're wanted by the purser, like up at the purser's office. There's a big mob up there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then he's just like, oh, okay, right." And in the history book, it says, "Once it became clear that the ship was really in trouble, many people crowded the purser's offices to request their money and valuables." <laughs> And then the purser, he told his staff to refuse the requests and urge passengers instead to get their life jackets and go up to the boat deck.
1: I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, you're thinking if you have a lot of money or whatever, something valuable there, you know, you're
0: not. Yeah. Yeah. Good for that, for the purser to have um, told everybody, forget it. No, put on your life jackets and go to the deck. It took way too
1: long to get you all of your stuff. Yeah
0: hmm Oh man, but I like that that's one little line they threw in there, but it's another piece of history that really did happen.
1: And, you know, I didn't even really notice that he said that until you just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So Lovejoy tells the guy, yeah, go on, I'll keep an eye on him and he takes out his gun. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> like once again. Titanic is thinking, second of all, Jack is handcuffed to a pipe. Where's he gonna go? <laughs> Do we really have to have Lovejoy keep an eye on this guy with a gun when you've just handcuffed him to yeah, a pipe I mean, and
1: the ship is sinking? If, if you want to just put yourself at risk, then great.
0: <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Every time that happens, my mom is just rolling her eyes so hard. She just hates Lovejoy so much. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, look at this guy. He's
1: more annoying to me than Cal is sometimes. Just like his face and just the way he yeah, says stuff.
0: he's just so... And he's, the
1: way that he's so servile or servile to, to Cal... And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. I mean, I get he's probably getting paid, but, like, just he's so loyal to this guy. It's just annoying.
0: It's a little much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then, um, let's see if there's anything else. Oh, there was also just a small line in the history book that just made me so sad, just Gave me such a pang to my chest. Mm -hmm. Like, remember how when we were talking about when they showed the dogs? Oh. Just the thought of dogs on Titanic (laughs) makes the whole thing infinitely sadder for some reason. They didn't choose to be here. Yeah. And so there's a line in this book as it was, you know, talking about everybody leaving their rooms and heading up to the decks. Yeah. So, John Jacob Astor. Uh, he returned and told his wife, Madeline, and a bunch of other people in this group, uh, you know, that they better head up to the lifeboat. I mean, that they better put on their life belts and get going. And then one of these women who was there and heard him say all of this was Helen Bishop, who was on her honeymoon, which has mm. definitely not gone as planned. Yeah. It says she had her dog with her, who was named Fru-Fru.
1: <laughs> Killer name.
0: It says realizing that if lives really were at stake, it would not be wise for her to save her pet. She left the animal in her cabin. I don't know.
1: And that's really that was like really what happened. It's in the history book. Dang. Is she in the movie at all or no? Like, do they? No. Okay. That's no, crazy. This is just though. In the history. Books. I mean, I think... you you have to. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. You. Can, it's something you got to do
0: but oh my god but like like we said like with children and like pets yeah. they don't have any con- like you know what i mean Well,
1: especially children i mean pets only live like 10 years but yeah anyway but it,
0: but i think there's just like there's just this um i don't know the word like innocence yeah about a pet yeah or it's like they like, they don't know any better when they trust
1: they trust you they're like okay you're doing what you think is right for me so i'm just gonna go with it mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah, it's just that whole idea and the fact that she left and this dog 100% drowned in that room. Yeah,
1: and the dog's probably like, okay, I'll stay here. Yeah, this is good.
0: You know what I mean? Like, that dog must have been panicking, and then he just yeah. drowned.
1: I know, it's super depressing like, that, if you think about so it.
0: That's so sad. Mm.
1: That's tough, man. That is tough. You gotta live with that forever.
0: Crazy. Ugh, like, like my dog, Abby, that I've had for, like, you know, 11 years. Yeah. If I had to leave her in a room on the Titanic, oh, yeah. I would... Like my whole life, I'd be thinking, "Oh my God, poor Abby went down with that ship. Yeah. What must she have been doing?" Oh heck yeah! In those when we, moments, when we put uh, my uh, when we put my, I had a pet
1: cat who I had I grew up with, and and a dog too. We had to put both of them to sleep within like a couple of years from from each other, and it was like mm-hmm. that's hard just doing that. Let alone oh my gosh, like yeah. knowing you sealed their fate on the sinking ship that like went down.
0: Yeah, putting my old dog to sleep was one of the worst yeah. things.
1: Yeah, crazy.
0: Yep. Then it cuts to the wireless operator, Bride, uh, Harold Bride, running to give Captain Smith the latest message, Mm -hmm. which is that the Carpathia has answered. They're making 17 knots, which is full steam for them.
1: Yeah.
0: And he says that they're the only one close, and that they, and that they will be here in four hours. I wanted
1: to know about this. If this was like what the real real life was about this,
0: yeah. The I mean, the Carpathia comes at the end of the movie.
1: Oh, okay, okay. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. That, mm-hmm. I kind of remember. Yep. That's how they save the people in the boats and the small mm-hmm. boats, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: But yeah, just again the captain's reaction. Yeah, it says they can be here in 4 hours. 4 hours. <laughs> you know it's like, "Oh my god." Yeah. I love how genuine that is though, cuz it's like, "What?" Yeah,
1: that's way too way too long.
0: And and bride, you know, and and he still doesn't really know the severity of the situation either. Yeah. He's just like, "Okay, here's the message for the captain." Smith just dismisses him by saying, "Thank you." And you know, but he has that moment where they just show him and he just says, "My god." to himself because at that moment now he really knows this is going to be catastrophic
1: yeah he's like for, that was their last hope yeah and he's yeah it's done now now mm-hmm. the only people yeah the only way is to get a pile everyone on onto, onto these little boats
0: mm-hmm. which they know they don't have enough for everybody yeah yeah so he knows now without a doubt yeah that's crazy pretty heavy
1: yeah
0: uh for Smith to finally make this definite... I mean, you know, but this was just tragic to know four hours from now when we know we only have about an hour or so. Yeah, Yeah.
1: definitive at that point.
0: Yep. So that is the end of that scene. That'll just about do it um, Mm -hmm. for just a precaution. Uh, Feels good to be back discussing this crazy, endlessly discussable film. Yeah. Again, uh, be sure to follow on our socials. I I wasn't posting there often, but I did post what was going on when we were away. And then I also posted a little thing that we would be back soon. Little baby updates just to, you know, so you guys know that we're alive and that we still care and that we didn't forget yeah so that's just about it i think so yeah follow all the socials they should be links in the description send us an email a voicemail uh anything dm whatever uh we'd love to hear from you and we'll see you in the next scene see it